Welcome to r slash malicious compliance, where a scummy landlord screws over OP, so OP screws them back harder. Our next Reddit post is from E. Grant. In the early 2000s, when I first moved out on my own, I rented from a complex that charged you for assigned parking. It was an upcharge of 25 bucks a month. If you didn't get assigned parking, you'd have to fight for a space on the street. My apartment was in the back of the complex, and I was getting over a recent knee and ankle injury, so I opted for paid parking that was relatively close to my front door. My car was a junker, three years older than I was, but it ran semi-okay and the heater worked. As a newly minted adult, I was happy to have it. About three months into my lease, my car went to the great scrap heap in the sky. I had gotten used to my local transit system, and I discovered a nearby store that would drop off groceries for me. This was long before Walmart and other stores started doing that, so it was cheaper than hauling a month's worth of supplies on the bus. So, I opted not to replace the car and use the bus instead. I went to the leasing office and told them I no longer needed the space, and would you please remove the extra charge from my bill? The manager at the desk was new, and she said that she had never been asked that before. She promised to look into it and let me know. I was naive and figured that it would be gone next month. Nope, the charge was still there. I paid for everything except for the parking space and called up the complex. I got the same girl. She said that she was awaiting word from the higher-ups and offered me a credit for the charge as a one-time courtesy. I reminded her that I no longer owned a car. I hadn't just changed my mind. I told her the space had been empty for close to a month now and that I wouldn't be utilizing it. She said that she understood loud and clear and that she would get it sorted by next month. Three days before rent was due, she finally got back to me. Apparently, the charge was in my lease and it couldn't be removed without breaking the lease and signing a new one. Even if I didn't move out, they would charge me the lease breaking and initiation fees and my rent would go up to the new current market value. This would be over $1,000, so it wasn't an option for someone freshly on their own. So, I kept the parking space on the lease. Three weeks later, I was reviewing my lease to get the phone number for maintenance, and I noticed a clause for the parking space. Essentially, I could park a motorcycle, a scooter, car, truck, SUV, or a trailer in the space. My gear started turning. For me to be in compliance, whatever I parked in that space had to have wheels on it. So, I went to a local version of Craigslist and found a wheeled container similar to a shipping container. It wasn't cheap, but it was worth every cent. The apartment complex offered storage sheds at an upcharge too. Being fresh out of high school, I didn't have much stuff to store. My neighbor, though, did. I threw a lock on the unit and offered it to my neighbor for half the cost of a shed. 35 bucks a month. He was able to move his stuff out of his storage unit where he was paying over a hundred bucks a month. And my container was available 24-7, 365 days a year. He was happy for the arrangement and paid several months in advance. The complex put several tow stickers on the trailer for it being out of compliance. But I called the tow company and faxed them a copy of the lease where it says that trailers are allowed. The container was registered with the county as a utility trailer, so there's nothing they could do. They tried to find me for improper parking, but again, I had proof that I was within my rights. They even offered to remove the parking charge on my lease if I would relocate the container. With what my neighbor was paying me, I could cover my water bill every month, so I declined. I stayed there 18 months, and I sold the trailer to my neighbor when I moved out. He had to rent a car to relocate it to his assigned space, but he said that it was worth a couple hundred bucks that he paid. He ended up saving over $1,000 a year renting from me. 
Other neighbors even started bringing in their own containers too, even if that meant buying a second parking space. Sheds were being vacated at such a large volume that the complex tried to give them away at six months free. Few people took them up on it. The apartment complex amended the new leases to exclude trailers, but they could do nothing about those that had already had them in the spot. Instead of moving out and giving notice, renters would just reassign their lease to new people so they could be grandfathered into the trailer clause. I drove by the apartment complex two years or so after I moved out, going to a friend's for Thanksgiving. The complex had been sold to a new owner and changed their name. But wouldn't you know it, there were still a dozen wheeled shipping containers parked in the parking lot. OP, um, when the apartment complex offered to amend your lease to remove the parking fee, you should have said, Well, I could let you do that, but then I would have to charge you the initiation and lease breaking fees. Our next Reddit post is from Tippy Toe Master. My first job out of high school was a big deal for me. It was a simple data entry job that I took very seriously. I started moving up very quickly. With so many young entry-level employees, turnaround was high, and I guess sticking around made me stand out. I was soaring in that company. Before I knew it, I was a team supervisor. In my department, there was only one other supervisor. We worked very well together and agreed on almost everything. Our department was doing so well that our manager was recruited by another department for a much more lucrative role in the company. The new manager was the nicest man alive, but as an outside hire, he didn't know anything about how we ran things. At the same time as he was getting acquainted with us, the other supervisor went on maternity leave. That made me the only leader in the department that had any idea what we were doing. It sounds rough, but I blossomed under those circumstances. I helped find our new acting supervisor, Trevor. I hired all the new staff members from talking to the recruiter, conducting the interviews, and making the call to offer the position. I was running the show and I loved it. Our new manager wasn't really grasping things and told me that he was thinking about leaving. I was sad to see him go. He then told me that he thought that he would ask his higher-ups to have me backfill into his position. This would have been the opportunity of a lifetime for me. A week later, my manager told me that he talked to the director, but the position wasn't going to me. It was going to the acting supervisor, Trevor. Apparently, this guy had been schmoozing while I had been working. I hadn't even been paying attention to him. Trevor had become buddy-buddy with the director by spending all of his time in his office and going drinking with him at the driving range. I was heartbroken. I wasn't even aiming for that job until my boss suggested it to me. I had gotten my hopes up only to be crushed. I tried to shake it off and get back to work. I oversaw department projects, and I had one that required thousands of entries on an Excel sheet. I assigned our staff to the project, and I did my share as well. At the end of the day, I had gotten my sheets back from everyone directly under me, but nobody on Trevor's team had emailed me theirs. I went to one of the desks of the people who worked under Trevor and asked about the project. The person I asked shyly told me that Trevor told her not to do it. When I asked her why he would say that, she told me that he said that I wasn't her boss. I was shocked! This is how we'd done every project since we opened the department. What was he thinking telling people not to do it? I could explain all the small ways that Trevor was constantly trying to undermine me or the almost jealous behavior that he displayed towards me, but this story's long enough. I'll just say that, while shocking, this wasn't out of character for him. I'd always been able to keep him from causing damage in the past, and this didn't need to be any different. 
Then I realized what a golden opportunity this was. I decided to maliciously comply. I just nodded and thanked her for her help. The next day, the director called the manager and supervisors into his office. He asked me why the project wasn't completed the day before. I shrugged and told him I'd sent it out to the team like I always do, and I'd even done a chunk of it myself. I looked at Trevor, and oh, the look he gave me. He was pale and looked at me as if I was about to sentence him to death. When Trevor eventually tried to explain that he told the staff under him not to do it, the director asked everyone but Trevor to leave. This project had been related to payroll, and Trevor had royally screwed over the payroll staff. Our director was livid. He was in there for over an hour. I heard the director raise his voice more than once, which was wild. The doors and office walls were glass, so when I passed the office a bit later, I saw Trevor with his head down while our director was shaking his head and moving his hands in a very animated manner. A week later, the other supervisor returned, and Trevor was asked to return to his old position under her. I was offered the position of manager soon after, which I gladly accepted. Our next Reddit post is from Ansela Jonla. I'm a woman in retail merchandising, which skews male in terms of employment statistics. Most guys I work with are okay, but some of the guys are not ideal co-workers. This story is about one of those co-workers. On many of our jobs, there's a no smoking in the delivery yard rule. Unless that's where the smoking area is, you can't smoke out there. One client doesn't allow smoke breaks between 11pm and 6am either, which irritates many of my coworkers due to the high level of nicotine addicts among them. If you get caught slipping into the yard for a smoke, you're removed from the job, and possibly even the contract if you're a frequent offender. Cue this guy, we'll call him Puff. He's a smoker, with an attitude towards health and safety that has already seen him kicked off multiple contracts. For things like climbing stuff that shouldn't be climbed, or throwing things that shouldn't be thrown. On this occasion, I was the only woman on the team, and I was the only non-smoker. As a non-smoker, I had more freedom of movement than the guys did. I was the only one allowed to take trolleys out the front door, and the only one allowed out unsupervised in the yard. Now, no one liked Puff. He was rude and a nightmare to be around. Also, he was a douchebag towards women. I don't listen to women, he had been heard to say, and the team leader knew it. But he had to actually be caught misbehaving by the store manager before he could be removed from the site. One of the things that we had to do was throw the old shelves and brackets onto the skip. The skip was an old industrial one, nearly twice my height, and the end of it was closed off, so you had to throw things into it. Shelves are metal, and these ones were about 5 feet wide and 25 inches deep. I could lift them and maneuver them into place, but throwing them that high solo? Not a chance! The guys could manage it though. I was always sent out with one of the guys and told to make sure they didn't smoke, wink wink. The team leader and most of the guys knew that I would turn a blind eye to one small cigarette when we worked the skip together. But everyone was getting fed up of Puff and his attitude problem. So, the team leader sent me off with another pallet of mixed shelves and brackets and sent Puff trailing after me. Puff was happy to do so, realizing it was an opportunity to suck down some nicotine. Only, instead of ducking behind the skip, where he'd be out of sight of both the cameras and the warehouse door, he leaned against the skip in full sight of both and lit up. I said, you know, you might want to go around the back so you're not spotted. I don't listen to women, was his predictable reply. 
and so he just stood there, slowly smoking in plain sight. I saw movement in the warehouse, just a silhouette. I said nothing. What do you think you're doing? You're not allowed to smoke out here. Why are you letting him smoke? He doesn't listen to women, I said. The manager, needless to say, didn't want Puff to even finish the shift. And since most clients had red carded him for various reasons, he was asked to find alternative employment. Our next Reddit post is from Reddit Admin Dumb. I was taking a class, and the class is graded on seven different projects of increasing difficulty, then we have a final at the end. Your projects are worth 60% of your grade, and the final's worth 40%. Their policy is that they drop the lowest project grade to calculate your grade. On my first six projects, I got five perfect scores, 100 out of 100, and my lowest grade was 85 out of 100. The last project seemed particularly long and annoying, and I was quite busy with a lot of other things. I emailed the professor to clarify his grading policy, and he tells me that I still need to submit something, otherwise the policy won't apply. So I submit my project, and my project is literally just the title of my project, my name, a summary of the project, and that's it. It took me about five minutes, if that, and I submitted it. My professor tells me the project is incomplete, and I tell him that that's the project I'm submitting. He tells me that I'm going to get a really bad grade on this project, and I say that's fine. I looked at the grading rubric, and according to that, I should get 5 points for the name and title. He tells me that I'm abusing his grading policy, and I tell him that it's his grading policy. He tells me that he's not going to drop my lowest grade, and instead of having a 97.5 project grade, I'll have an 84.2 project grade. So, I go to his department chair, and I copy him. I highlight the part in the syllabus where it clearly states that my lowest project grade will be dropped. I also attach the email of my professor confirming this policy and clearly stating that something needs to be submitted to be graded for this policy to qualify. The chair responds and says that the policy outlined in the syllabus needs to be the policy that's followed. And therefore, when it comes time to calculating my final grade, he needs to drop my lowest project grade, which in this case would be the 5% grade. That was r slash malicious compliance. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.